Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. Tomorrow we begin our 21 day of prayer and fast. I want you to make a decision, a decision, that you're going to be there every night when we have prayer. Make a decision. Make a decision. Make a decision. Everybody thinks they're going to have a good year, and then they let their feelings dictate the year. Make a decision that you're going to be there every night to pray, to fast, to seek God, to see what He has for you this year. Make a decision, because if you don't make a decision, your feelings will make it for you. Someone this morning is not here because they let their feelings make a decision for them and they lost a blessing this morning. Because if you don't show up, you don't receive anything. Come on, somebody. We got to make a decision. So we're going to be at Pulaski Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Listen, these, these prayer nights, they, they, they built on each other. You know, they built on each other. We're going somewhere. God takes us somewhere. And if you miss something, it's like watching a movie and you miss part of the movie. It doesn't make any sense to you. Don't be that, you know, that person that goes to the movies, asks you a lot of questions. Like, pay attention. Why are you not paying attention? You know, get on your phone. Like, what happened? It's like, well, show up and focus. Amen. If you have any questions about the fast, just go to our website, and there's plenty of information there for anyone who's serious. I want to talk to you about the power of prayer and fasting this morning. It's actually going to be a Bible study. We're going to take it old school here and just really lay out the foundation here for why this is so powerful. And I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter 4. I highly recommend you take notes. These are things you have to digest through this week um, and let the Lord really dial in what He wants to say to you because we're all unique. And we are in unique situations, but the Lord knows how to customize His Word to fit you exactly where you are. And I, bet, I guarantee you, if you, if you turn in, if you tune in this morning, you won't leave the same. Two people can go to church. One person leaves the same. The other person leaves changed. Why? Can someone tune in? Tell your neighbor, tune in. Focus on what God wants to say this morning. Matthew chapter 4. We begin by looking at our model, our leader, Jesus. He's the one that we look to for our example on how to live life. And he showed us the power of prayer and fasting in his own life. And if the Son of God had to pray and fast, I don't know about us. If the Son of God, who was equal with God, had to pray and fast and seek God, I think I need to fast and seek God myself. Can you say amen? Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told them, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God can you say Amen. Amen. You have to understand this morning that we are not a sum of our physical urges. We have urges, but we're not supposed to just act on every urge that comes our way. And what Jesus is teaching us here is a template for how to live life that's above the level of sin and mediocrity. 
And if you want to live life the way God intended for you to live life, then you cannot let your cravings dictate your life. Hello, somebody. We're already preaching. We all have cravings, but not every craving comes from God. And, and, and if you pay attention, it's not just the fact that we have cravings, and, and it's not wrong for him to eat this bread, but he wants to make sure it's the right person feeding him. We're all going to satisfy our cravings one way or another. The question is, who's feeding us? We can be fed by God, or we can be fed by somebody else. We can have the real version of Jordans, or we can go with the Payless version of Jordans. Because life comes down to cravings, and who's feeding your cravings. Right? And so it wasn't wrong for him to turn the, the stones into bread. He could have done it. He's the son of God, but he knew the moment I do that, I'm satisfying the wrong person. Yes, I have cravings, but I know my God can supply all my needs according to His glory and riches in Christ Jesus. It's God that's going to supply my cravings. It's not going to be some other guy that's going to supply my cravings. Yes, I'm lonely and I want to be in a relationship, but it's not going to be any knucklehead that's going to come and be part of this craving. Yes, I want to make money, but I'm not going to make money the way that God didn't intend for me to make money because that's a dead-end street. Yes, I have desires to be in a, in a house and I want to build a house, but I'm not going to forsake my family for the sake of building a house. I have cravings, but God is the one that's going to make sure these cravings come to pass. Am I preaching? That's why there's a difference between resolutions and revelation. Resolution is that here's what I want to happen. Revelation is, God, what is it that you want to do? in my life, and also through my life, can you say amen? amen? It's amazing to me that Jesus, the Son of God, equal with God, is presented. He's hungry. That's a craving. They say, never shop when you're hungry. You might date the wrong person. Never shop when you're hungry. You might take the wrong job. Never shop when you're hungry. That DM is not for you. Never shop when you're hungry. He's hungry. Rightfully so. He's been fasting. And he has all the right in the world to turn the stones into bread. He could easily be entitled to say, I'm the son of God. I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> but what does he say? He said, no. The scriptures say this. No. If we were to be honest this morning, we're in a warfare between cravings. We're in a warfare between our flesh and the spirit. Who's going to win? The one you feed the most. Who's going to win? The one you feed the most. It's up to you. It's up to you. The war is on. question is, who are you feeding? You can feed the monster, or you can feed the man or the woman of God that's in you already. God built you to be a man or woman of God. The key is, who are you going to feed? So he said, no, I will not feed my flesh. And I, know that, and I love how he says it, no, because the scripture says, no, I don't feel. No, what does the word say? You want to have a great year? Stop letting your feelings dictate how you're going to live your life and start letting the word of God dictate which step you're going to take with your life. You know, we're not in the Old Testament where people who used to raise up altars and worship all different gods, but you know the God that we worship the most in our generation is the God of feelings. 
We wake up and the feeling says, hey, you're feeling this type of way. So that means we're going to go this way. Hey, you're feeling that type of way. So we're going to go this way. And everybody feels offended. Everybody's angry. Everybody's entitled. But the people of God say, what does the word say? God, what do you say? Because I know my feelings cannot be trusted. We know tomorrow morning, are you going to feel like going to work? If you are, you are a very unique specimen of human being. You're in the point two percent of people that get up and go, hey, I'm going to go put in eight hours. Hello, somebody. And we hate that person, don't we? They get to work, you're like, oh, here's Johnny. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? It's hump day. Guess what day it is? Oh, my friends, we got, a, we got an issue. We're letting our feelings dictate our lives. People are walking out of marriage because of feelings. People are walking out of good jobs because of feelings. People are walking out of churches because of feelings. No one is asking the question, what does the scripture say? Because I'm not meant to live by my feelings. I'm meant to live by faith in the word of God and what he has to say for my life. You know, everybody now has an opinion, all on their feelings. If you ask someone today, they're like, what's wrong? Why can't Jesus turn the stone into bread? He should have just done it. I would have. If I'm hungry, I'm just going to eat. Yeah, no wonder your life is a mess. You follow every craving that comes your way. You never ask the question, why should I indulge in this thing? Should I go ahead and do this thing? Say, like, I just feel... He says, no, the scripture says, Jesus quoted the Bible. Jesus was not relying on his feelings because he knew I'm hungry. My feelings would tell me the wrong things right now. My friend, that's where the rubber meets the road in life. Can you discern between your feelings and what God is saying? But how how are you going to be able to discern the two if you don't know what he says? Jesus knew the word and he quoted the word. And you understand what he was doing? He wasn't just doing it for him. He was doing it for you. He was trying to show you, here's how you live your life. Because notice he says he was led there to be tempted, to be tested, right? There's no testimony without a test. You will never be able to tell a story if you don't go through the test first and withstand the test and pass the test. Matter of fact, he was showing the people of God, listen, this is how you guys, you fail the test when you were in the wilderness, but I want to show you, this is how you were supposed to pass the test. He actually quoted a scripture that we'll be very familiar with. He quoted the book of Deuteronomy. I want to show it to you. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, he was saying, look, you guys were in the wilderness, and you missed how you were supposed to overcome in the wilderness because God was going to bring you into the promised land, but you let your feelings dictate your life. Watch this, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you, and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Don't you know God will test you? You say, I love God. God's like, let's put that to the test. This year, I'm going to put God first. Well, let's test that. This is the year. Well, let's test it. So you can have a testimony. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna 
In other words, if you go hungry long enough and you let God feed you, it's going to be Him feeding you. It's not going to be someone else feeding you. It's going to be someone else that's going to come and tell you how to live your life. It's going to be God telling you how to live your life. He said He did teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. My friends, this was a test for the Israelites, God's people. And Jesus is quoting, saying, listen, you guys were there. You were supposed to be in that wilderness for 11 days. It took you 40 years because you let your feelings dictate your life. I don't know what I'm talking to this morning, but God has a plan for your life. But you keep letting feelings taking you to sideways and, and side corners and side streets. And God has to do all this work to bring you back to, to one-way street again because we keep letting our feelings lead us. To and fro. The Bible says we're like, we're like tossed by any wind of imagination that comes our way. And that's not how we're supposed to live our lives. We live by faith, not by sight. Can you say amen? He says the point of fasting, as you read there, he says, I'm trying to humble you. Because we have a tendency to think we can do it without God. We put two bucks together, we're like, we got this. And God's like, let me see how far you can get with two dollars. And then that, when that runs out, someone's going to say, I know how to make a quick buck. Someone start looking at you. You're hungry. Yay. Hey. God's like, let's see how long that lasts. Because it's the same dude. It's just a different name. Oh, hello, somebody. 2019. We're about to live right. He says, I want to humble you so you know where your blessings come from. Don't you know the Bible says God loves the humble but opposes the proud? Anyone who thinks, he's, I got this, puffing your chest, God's like, you're on your own. Because you don't know where your blessings come from. The fact that you're alive this morning was a gift from God. Every breath that you take is a gift from God. The word breath means pneuma, which means spirit. If God's not breathing in you, you're not breathing. If that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. Because when he says shut it down, it's done. So I'm trying to humble you so you can appreciate life. And appreciate every blessing that comes your way. I believe every American should go overseas on a mission trip to see how people live. So we can really get a, a, a fresh reminder how blessed we are already. And the things that we think we need are getting in the way of the things we want. And we don't know our wants or our needs anymore. He says, man, I'm trying, trying to give you perspective. And the only way you get perspective is when you humble yourself and you realize the strength doesn't come from you. That's what fasting does. It empties you of you so you can get strength from him. It takes away everything from you. It saps you. That's the point. And you're like, man, I, I don't want to be hungry. Then you don't want to grow. Because if you are not full of God, you must be full of yourself. He says, I want to humble you and teach you and develop your character. Did you catch that? He says, every test is to develop your character. To see what kind of person you're going to be. And I told you last week, the greatest test of character is what we do when no one's watching. God's like, I'm trying to mold you and shape you into the image and likeness of my son Jesus. But I got to take you through this stuff. Because we all want the final product. No one wants to go through the stuff, the furnace, where God will heat up the kitchen 
And if it gets too hot, people jump out instead of staying in there because you never know what God's cooking until you stay all the way through to see the other side of this thing. There's no testimony without first going through the test. That's why he said, hey, are you really the son of God? The enemy will always put a question mark next to God's will. You really? The man of God you say you are? Are you really the woman of God you say you are? Well, let's test that out. I want to see what comes out of Because nothing reveals who we are more than when we're hungry. Come on now. You ever talk to someone hungry? And then afterwards they're like, I'm sorry, I was hungry. It's like, no, that was the real you. Like the real you just came out. You're about to choke me over burritos. Like you, the real you is crazy. But I'm talking more than physical. The real you, when you're emotionally hungry, who you hook up with. When you're financially hungry, how you make money. The real you comes out when you're hungry. The real you comes out when someone says no to you, to a craving, how do you respond? Because nowadays, everybody's offended. No one wants to be corrected or rebuked because we're so hungry that we don't even accept correction that's actually going to make us better people on the long haul. This is, my friends, the reality of prayer and fasting. It's a discipline. It says, I want to teach you how to obey. Because there's no breakthrough without obedience. We want it, but we don't want to obey. My friends, if we're serious about God and His plan for our lives, then we have to obey what He says. The Bible says you can either give lip service to this thing, or you can actually obey it. He says, you can even be a hearer or a doer. Without obedience, there's no breakthrough. I don't care how bad you pray the next 21 days. After you pray, there's always a word to obey. And if you don't obey the word, you're not going to see anything. All you did was say some things that you didn't really mean. Because when you pray, you have to mean what you say and say what you mean and watch God come through. And obedience, my friends, is not selective. We love, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We love that word. But we don't love the word that says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Oh, we love, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. But we don't like the word that says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and in due time, I will lift you up. Obey your authority. Obey your leaders. Be mature enough to handle correction, and watch me take you where you can't go. It's not selective, my friends. I can't say, oh, yeah, I know God loves me because John 3.16 says so, but I don't know the rest. If we're going to see the will of God, we've got to see the whole way through. Because our feelings will contradict the word. Do you ever find yourself at odds with what God says? Come on, let's be honest for a second. Do you ever find yourself feeling like you, you, you really like this person, but God said, I don't want you to have physical intimacy with anyone who is not your, your wife. Now you find yourself in this predicament. It's like the word says, but I'm feeling this type of way. Which one are you going to yield to? 
Oh, come on, we're going somewhere this year. Which one will you yield to? Because we will justify it. And we say that, it doesn't really mean that. So what does it mean? When God says there's a lifestyle that I don't approve of, what do we do with it? Who's right? God or my feelings? Oh, are we serious or not? About the will of God for our lives. Because he said, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you will obey me, I will bless you. That's why we need to fast and pray, because we need to empty ourselves of ourselves so we can fill ourselves with him. My friends, it's powerful when you empty yourself. Jesus had to do it to empty himself so he can be full of God in his will for his life and for our lives. Listen, his brother James, someone asked me today, did Jesus have brothers? Yes, he had brothers and sisters afterwards. I know the Catholic Church doesn't teach you that, but he did. One of them became a leader in the church, and he wrote this really great book. If you want to read a really great book in the Bible, go to James. James, I love James because he's one of those, like, straight shooters. James is like, yo, I, I wasn't with Jesus. You know I, I, you know, I let my feelings get the best of me. But after the resurrection, I saw who he really was. I don't have time to play games. I'm going to tell you exactly what I saw in him. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. And watch what James says about praying and fasting, about coming closer to God. In James chapter 4, verse 8, look at this. He said, come close to God. And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided. Between God and the world. You see why we need to fast? We're divided. We don't know where the world begins and where God begins anymore. He says, come near to God. God will come near to you. Intimacy with God is the first goal of prayer and fasting. My friends, the word intimacy means into me, you see? God is saying, what are you into? When you're into me, then I'm into you. And watch what we will do together. Because we're all into somebody. Or we're all into something. You don't develop intimacy overnight. You develop intimacy over time. Intimacy. He's saying, like, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. God wants to be intimate with you. I believe with all my heart, every human being could be as close to God as they want to be. It's about drawing near to God, making a decision. I'm coming after you, Lord. My feelings is not going to dictate how I live my life. You are coming after you. He says, listen, draw near to God. God, would you near to you? But listen, he says, you can't stop there because here's the problem. The problem is you cannot tell where the world begins and it ends in your life anymore. So the second thing that needs to happen is I must detox myself from the world. My concern is the, the world has gotten to the church so much that we don't even realize it. We're caked up with the world. We have no idea. We're like the frog in the pan. Then the water kept going up and kept rising, but he got so neutralized to the water, he didn't know the water was actually killing him. We become desensitized to the things of the world. We become like the world. We talk like the world. We act like the world. We have sex like the world. We, we, we do shady business like the world. And then we want God to bless us. My friends, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
and we find ourselves divided in loyalty, he says. He says, one day you're all for God, the next day look what you're doing. You're like the guy that, that couldn't make up your mind. He was going over this bridge and he was scared. And he's like, ah, I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to say one step in the name of God and the next step in the name of Satan. God and Satan, my friends, when you live like that, you will never feel your fulfillment in life. You will always be the guy that almost made it and almost saw something. Almost. And I'm afraid... Listen, I'm going to get real here. I'm afraid that we will come to church year after year but never get God. Man, that is troubling. It says your loyalty is divided. Loyalty is what we want in friendships, isn't it? Man, we, we would kill to have a friend who's loyal. God's saying, man, why aren't you loyal to me? We want him to be loyal to us, but are we loyal back? He says, man, you're divided. You're one way in church, another way somewhere else. You have two Facebook accounts, two Twitter accounts. You see the pastor's glory to God. You see someone else, you're about to cuss them out. Our loyalty is divided, my friends. We're not going to see God that way. We need cleansing from the world. We need to be purified from the things of the world if we're actually going to see the power of God being manifested in our lives. That's why some of you, you take two steps forward and four backwards. Two steps forward, four backwards. Make up your mind. Is it God or is it the world? But you can't have divided loyalty. My conviction is, if it's the world, then go all out. But if it's Jesus, then go all in and see what he will do. So we fast to purify ourselves, to cleanse ourselves, because over the year, we get caked up with the world. When's the last time you stopped and said, man, I'm talking like everybody else? Oh, is it so normal that we don't understand that we became part of the abnormal? We're supposed to represent a new normal in God. When's the last time you saw something on TV and it repulsed you? Because you're like, man, that's not God's will. When's the last time your heart broke because of sin? Instead of justifying it, it made you cry over it. That's when you know your loyalty is with God. Because you're like, Jesus, you went to that extreme to die for my sins. I'm not going to justify my sin. I'll weep over my sin. I'll I'll, I'll repent over my sin. i confess my sin. I'm not going to try to be offended over the very thing that you were killed for. The Bible goes on to say this, my friends, that we have to make up our mind how we're going to live because every day you're being bombarded with the world. The world preaches more than we do. We're the ones that are naive. We're like, I don't want to preach to anybody. But the world doesn't excuse their preaching. They preach lust to you every day, greed to you every day. Every day. When you get out of here, pay attention. Every billboard is telling you something. When you go home, every commercial, every sitcom has an agenda to tell you, live your life this way, do it this way, walk this way, talk this way, dress this way. And we do all that and we wonder why we're empty. Because our loyalty is divided. But who are we to judge? Who are we to condemn? How can we even know what to judge or condemn where it's all blurred? 
My friends, look, scriptures are powerful. I'm telling you, it's a Bible study today. Go to 1 John. It's, right, it's, not far, it's not far from James, but John, another disciple of Jesus, wrote some heavy stuff here about the world. And he says this to us today about disciplining our cravings. Look, 1 John 2, verse 15. He says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. My God. And watch, he spells it out for you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. That's the lust of the flesh. A craving for everything we see, that's the lust of the eyes. And then a craving for pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. We've got to make up our mind. Is it God or is it the world? can't be both. Remember what the great theologian said, you can't have two number ones, that's 11. Ricky Bobby, remember that? Who is the number one in your life? It's not what you say with your mouth, it's how you live in your life. My friends, this has become an idol. The lust of the eyes... We have soft porn available to us 24 hours a day, and we wonder why we can't be intimate with our wives. Kids don't even know how to ask a girl out anymore because their minds have been disturbed. This is not okay. We have become so conditioned to lust that we don't even ask questions anymore. I can't even watch TV with my kid without some stupid commercial coming on and I feel awkward to have to stop it and then we have to talk about this. He has to come back from school and tell me, Dad, what is this word? Someone said this word and so I have to explain to him that this is not the way that we talk and this is not the way that God intended for us to talk and be. And my friends, this is not normal. What world will our kids inherit? Where everything goes, and, and we were we to judge, and, and you can have two moms and two dads, and, and that's confusing to kids. They don't even know who they are yet, and we're saying, oh, it's okay, and, and, and we have a drug epidemic, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do with this drug epidemic? You know what we do? Hey, let's legalize it. And we're the crazy ones. We're the crazy ones saying, no, we have a drug epidemic. You're going to fight it with more drugs? With the gateway drug to kill more people? All in the name of medicine? Abortion has been legal for years. Well, you think God looks down and says, ah, great job killing babies. Oh, I know this is touchy and weird. It's supposed to make us uncomfortable to say, God, I'm not going to be loyal to the world. I got to figure out who am I loyal to. And you know, God doesn't hate anyone. But man, he created you with purpose. And he's saying that wasn't it. That wasn't it for you to be a drug addict. But society has always been at odds with God's word. We have to get to this point and realize this. Some things in God's word will always go against the grain. 
And we're going to have to figure out, are we into being popular or are we into being the people of God? Are we going to be cave to the world or are we going to say, no, we're going to be who God created us to be as his people? Because I'm telling you right now, in 2019, I made up my mind. I'm not your famous pastor. I am the pastor that's going to tell you the word of God as it is. You've got to figure out how you want to live your life. I'm with the word. I'm with the word. If there's a Bible verse that says the sky is violet, it's violet for me. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Because if God's real... I wouldn't know he was real if he wasn't for his word. So I can't skip over the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. Because if not, I'll conform to the world as opposed to being transformed by the word of God. That's why churches, and I'm talking capital C church, it's weak. We can't overcome anything. Because, because we, we're divided. One moment we're praying, the next moment we're watching porn. Telling you, we're not going to see the power of God like that. Until we clean up our lives, we're not going to see the fullness of God's will over our lives. Man, it, it would be a, a shame for me to sit here and tell you everything that you want to hear, but never actually helped you to live a fulfilled life and deal with some things in our lives so we can see the fullness of God's will over our lives. Listen, my friends. We call it the Daniel's fast because there was a man named Daniel who fasted, who showed us the power of prayer and fasting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Daniel chapter 10 and show you, man, why do, we, why do we love this guy so much? Listen, Daniel lived in a very difficult time. Daniel lived in Babylon. And if you know your history, Babylon was a very worldly people. They took the Israelites out of their nation and made them slaves. But Daniel stood out to the king. The Bible says he stood out because he was wise, he had integrity, and he was faithful. See, the world may not want to say that what we're doing is right, but they have a hard time not respecting it. Because we all know shady stuff, and we all know what integrity looks like. This man stood out. So much that the king's like, man, you, you're coming to the palace. Now, when you stand out, watch out for the haters. They did everything to trip him up. But the man stood by his convictions. And what gave him the strength to do that was prayer and fasting. He tells you about it in his book. Daniel was broken over the situation. He said, God, you can't let us be in the situation. We're your people. We're in Babylon. And I'm praying that there are some Daniels in our midst who will say, God, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with the way things are going. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to see you do something powerful. Not just for me. Here's where you know you're maturing. Daniel cared about his entire people, not just himself. He said, Lord, I'm not just interceding for me. I'm talking about my people. Like, I believe with all my heart, local churches are supposed to be a representation of God. Where we say, God, we are going to stand the gap for the region that we live in, and we're not going to let the enemy just have his way in this region. That's what God's people are supposed to do. We're not just supposed to get together and sing Kumbaya. We're supposed to ask God for the power to live. 
That's the point. So if all we do, listen, I'm going to say some stuff. If all we do is come to church and look for minds, you missed it. It's a unity thing. That's why every prayer night matters that we're together. Because we're saying to God, look, we're serious together on this thing. Look at this, chapter 10. He says this, when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning. Mourning for three old weeks. Mourning. Broken. Over the condition of his people. Did you know this? The Bible says judgment comes to the house first. You think God judges the world? No, he, he starts with his people. He says, I don't expect the world. I don't, how can I expect anything from them? They don't know any better. It's us. It's us. Like, are we mourning over the condition of our nation right now? Of our cities right now? Are we mourning over the conditions of how our kids are going to inherit this earth? It's mourning, weeping. When was the last time we cried over sin? You know what I see the most? I see people justifying their sins instead of crying over it. He says, man, God, this is not right. You need to do something here. Look at this, verse 3. All that time I, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips. I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. It's like, Lord, I'm going to pray and fast. You got to do something here. Man, I woke up New Year's Day with such a burden. I was so broken. I don't, I, it just came out of nowhere. I told my wife, I got to go, go for a walk. Kids were like, can we come? I'm like, no, I'm a mess. You don't want me. You don't want to come. I'm crying through the city, saying, God, you got to do something here. I'm playing games. I don't have time to be fighting over scriptures and who's right, who's wrong, man. I'm, I want the presence of God to come over this place. And I'm praying, my friends, that we are the groups of Daniels for this generation. To say, God, you got to do something here. This is not okay. We've made things that are abnormal normal. And the Bible says there would come days like that and we would call evil good and good evil. The moment we say the truth, what do they say? You're homophobic. You're judgmental. But no one says, what about the truth? What happened to truth? What happened to truth? He said the truth is what sets you free. It's the truth that sets you free. What happened to that? Is truth relative or is it absolute? Is the truth whatever I want it to be? Or is it what God says? This is the dilemma we find ourselves in. Is, is this thing truth or not? Because if it isn't, then let's go home. Let's go to IHOP. I'm telling you. Let's shut it down. Let's go home. If this thing is not the truth, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. But if it is, my God, align me with your truth. Align me with your heart. Align me with your will. Align me with your purpose. Align me, Lord. 
Look, he goes on to say that love is so powerful. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me and still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, this is so good, my friends. You are very precious to God. Man, I pray that, I pray we want to hear that from God. In the middle of all the chaos in Babylon, God says, that man is precious to me. Man, I pray that's us. I pray God looks down into Bedford or wherever you come from and he says, man, you see over there? That, that person is precious to me. That person loves me. That person will not cater to the world. That person will stand out. Man, I, I pray God looks down and says, Paul, you're precious to me. Misael, you're precious to me. Mariah, you're precious to me. Haywood, you're precious to me. Why? Because you refuse to conform to the world. I pray that's us, man. This thing broke me. I'm like, God, are we precious to you? Because you have to understand there's a difference between grace and favor. Grace is God's unmerited favor for everybody. But favor is when God says, no, you. You seek me. You come after me, man. You are precious to me. I pray that's us. I tell you, that song took me back to 20 years. I was 20 years old. On a Friday night where everybody be clubbing, I'll be in my room seeking God, praying all night sometimes and saying, God, I'm yours. I'm going to live my life to the fullness of your will. I'm not some special person. I'm just a person who loves the Lord and says, Lord, I want to be precious to you. And I want to live my life for you. But it's what you do in the 90% when no one's watching. It's when no one was watching that Daniel was fasting and God said, see that kid? He was young, my friends, young people. He was young in his early 20s and refused to bow down to the world. Who are going to be the Daniels of this generation? When God will say, man, you're precious to me. You seek me. You love me. You don't play church. You're serious about me. Look, he goes on to say, this is so powerful. He said, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up trembling. See, when you're precious to God, God will reveal himself to you. God will show you things that other people won't see. That's why some people tell you stuff like, yeah, you guys crazy church people. No, no, no. When you're precious to God, God will show you and reveal things and speak to you in ways that normal people don't see. That's why they laugh. They laugh at things they don't know because they can't see. And look, my friends, when you're precious to God, you have the favor of God. Then revelation comes. But then, when you're praying fasting, look how powerful this is. You are affecting the spiritual world around you. I don't have time to go through all of it, but look, verse 17, look what he says. Daniel said, how can someone like me, your servant, talk to my Lord? Because God sent him an angel directly. My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. The one who looked like a man touched me again and felt, felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. For you, again, look, you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. When you're precious to God, his peace will come on you. His strength will come on you. His courage will come on you. His deliverance will come on you. His power will come upon you. 
and you're precious to God. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger. God begins to speak to you and you begin to get the strength to do the things you need to do. Look, he said, I felt, I felt strengthened. And he said, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. Verse 20, he replied, do you not know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Do you understand what he's saying here? The angel's like, man, we're in a war. To get here, it took me to go through hell to get to you. When you're precious to God, they'll go through hell. God will go through hell and back to make sure that you're blessed, that you're strengthened, that you're encouraged. Now, understand, this is a deep thing. The angel said, man, we're in a war. And the spirits were holding me back from you. So you think that we're going to end this addiction thing by giving people more drugs? We're in a war. There's demons of addiction roaming the earth. There's demons of sexuality roaming the earth. There's, there's demons of greed and oppression and suicide roaming the earth. And it's through the power of prayer and fasting we're going to affect the spiritual world. And we're going to change things in the spirit. Why is it that the greatest nation in the world has the most depressed people in the world? Because we neglected the spirit. We gave it over. And then what happens, my friends, when we settle, what do we do? We say it is what it is. Saddest way for God's people to live is to say it is what it is. Your marriage is broken? Oh, it is what it is. That's not God's will. God's will is for you to live a blessed life. But in order to live a blessed life, you have to make up your mind who you're going to be loyal to. Because God's not going to bless you if he's not going to get the glory back. God's not going to bless you. He says, I look to see who can I deposit my will on. That's amazing to me. He says, I look over the earth like who is available. We can go to church, but we might miss God if we're not available for him to come and deposit his will on us. If we're worried about being popular, we might miss it if we're not available to God. So let me wrap this up. We pray, the power of prayer and fasting does these three things. First of all, it's about intimacy with God. We're after him. And when you get him, you get everything. Some people only pray when they need something. You'll never have intimacy with God. Because none of us like that friend who only comes around when they need something. He said, intimacy, into me, you see. Are you into me? Because when you're into me, of course I want to bless you. See, he loves everyone, but there's some people that he's like, man, I want to double bless because he's precious to me. Second thing is we got to detox from the world. We can't be doing everything the world does and expect God to bless us. Not going to happen, my friends. We can do church all year long and, and not see anything if we didn't clean up the temple. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
It needs to be, it needs to be clean. It needs to be holy. It needs to be right. It's a detox process. It's not a perfect process. It's a detox process. Lord, purge, cleanse, restore. Do yourself a favor. Stop questioning what you're watching, what you're listening to. Because not everything is from the Spirit of God. The enemy wants to numb us into existence. Just go with the flow. Just go. We're supposed to go against the grain. We got to detox. We got to unplug from the ways of the world and plug into his will. That's when revelations will come. It's like, man, now that I have a clean temple, I want to bless that temple. See, we missed it. We thought church is a building. No, you're the church. You carry the spirit of God with you. You carry the will of God with you. And I'm believing God's raising up some Daniels in this church. God's raising up some Daniels in this church. But you got to be okay with, like we've been saying all along, you got to be okay with being misunderstood. You got to be okay with some people not understanding why you're making some decisions. When I was 20 years old, he got a hold of me. Without getting any message from any pastor, I went back to my room that night and I knew something is different. No one had to tell me, you can't go back clubbing anymore. I just knew that can't be for me anymore. Something just shifted in my spirit. Like, I, 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 that can't be for me anymore. There were some girls I used to talk to. I went and apologized to them. I said, I'm sorry. I was using you. They're looking at me like I was crazy. I said, you may not understand this, but I know you can hear me. I'm trying to make things right. I'm trying to make things right right now. And then from that point on, it was every day seeking him when no one else was watching. So we don't get up here just to do a speech. We get up here because we believe in this thing. And we want to see the movement of God over us. Because it takes all of us to do God's will. Can you stand with me as we pray this morning? Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.